What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. We have a jam-packed show lined up today. Um, Colin Kaepernick getting a workout. Um, this was surprising to a lot of people. Nobody expected to see this coming, but he will, in fact, work out in front of um, NFL teams this weekend. But the details around it are interesting, so we'll break that down in just a moment. Also, a major shakeup in the college football playoff situation. Um, we had big games happen last weekend that we talked to you guys about, and those results ended up having a huge ripple effect on the college football playoff ranking. So we'll break that all down later on. Staying with college sports, we'll also talk about some ineligible athletes that have garnered a lot of attention. And, of course, uh, the Knicks dumpster fire will be talked about on this show as well. So it's a really good show. We should have a lot of fun with it. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, what's up, man? Look, What are you looking forward to talking about today? Uh, yeah, we have, uh, like you said, a very interesting show. Um, you know, I mean, it's been a, a certainly an interesting week, uh, for a lot of my, uh, sports teams. So, um, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, of course, some good news and some bad news on, 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 on that side of the spectrum. Um, it's rare. I think that like Memphis and the Knicks both make it to like the normal rundown, like, like that's that doesn't happen normally on this show. You being a Memphis fan, me being a Knicks fan, but they are two of the biggest stories of this week, without question. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know it's it's rare that we have a you know a college basketball story become such a national story uh, that doesn't have to do with basketball or the FBI. <laughs> so, um, but you know it it, it certainly has become. Uh, bigger than basketball in this in this regard, so uh, you know, not I'm not super excited to uh, you know to to dive into that because uh, it's 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 unfortunate news. But you know, I, I, you know, if there's anybody that's educated themselves on the details of that situation, obviously I would be somebody uh, that has done that. Uh, and of course, EJ, you will be the you know the first person. Or one of the first people we'll look to to hear what uh, you have to say about the, uh, the New York Knickerbockers. So that should be interesting. It very well will be very interesting. But uh, we're going to start the show again talking about Colin Kaepernick because he is set to work out in front of NFL teams this Saturday in an arrangement that has raised uh, eyebrows for many. The former Niners QB hasn't played since 2016, but he will be put through a combine-style uh, workout uh, that will be run by former NFL head coach Hugh Jackson. Joe Philbin will also, for another former NFL head coach, will be assisting in that workout. So far, 13 NFL teams have committed to uh, sending some kind of representative to this event. But again, questions remain surrounding, one, the timing of the event, uh, two, the, how short notice this event was put in place, um, and the fact that, you know, putting it on a Saturday where you have... Uh, you, you know, we have a lot of teams that are about to play on Sunday. Um, that kind of raised a lot of eyebrows as well. Uh, the NFL says that any teams that don't make it will get video of not only Kaepernick's workout, but also Kaepernick's interview that he will do after, which is also interesting because I, I would have thought he would interview with individual teams. It's going to be just a free-for-all interview like you would see at a press scrum. I'm a little, little – I don't know what to make of that. Um but yeah, it, it's 
you know, it's kind of interesting because Kaepernick really wasn't in the news, and all of a sudden he gets kind of thrown in out of nowhere. So, Kendall, I'll leave it to you. What do you make of this workout? Do you think that it is uh, a real workout? And uh, do you think he'll be signed uh, after this is all said and done? The reporting is that um, it's happening this late in the season, and teams are looking towards maybe perhaps making a move on him in the offseason. I mean, whether or not he gets signed, that's hard for me to predict because I don't know how he's going to look. But um, in terms of just the logistics of all this, I mean, I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if this is new or not. Like, I, I mean, I, it sounds very new to me. I've wait, never wait, 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 what part of it is new? Just the idea that the NFL is going to facilitate a, a, a workout, almost a pro day for a free agent. I've and, seen the word unprecedented thrown around. So I think you would be right in saying this is new. I've, ne- I've never seen this before. Like, f- for a free agent, especially in the middle of the year, like, typically guys have to, they have to do their own thing. Like, this, sh- I don't think the NFL should be orchestrating this to begin with. Um, mm. Just from an optic standpoint, like, it's fine. Like, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a negative that he's, he's being given a chance to, you know, perform in front of you know some NFL evaluators but um it's not like you know I don't I, but I don't think that this is something where it's like you know I don't know if he's being put in the best situation you know it, and to be fair I don't know what kind of communication the NFL has had with Kaepernick's people in terms of like uh what the workout will entail you know the script of the workout and things of that nature like it may end up being just as easy or just as simple as something that he would have put together. And it may be, maybe they're going to get a better turnout because of the NFL's involvement. I don't know these kind of things, but it just seems very, like you said, unprecedented. Um, typically the NFL, because, you know, the way the schedule works, Tuesday is always the day that players come in to work out for teams. And again, it's always players working out for teams rather than, you know, or rather than teams going to a remote location to work out for a player to be a player goes to the team's facility. But because um, Tuesday's the day where teams have the most time, mm-hmm. uh, frankly enough, you know, coaches and you would know are, that is are available because anyone. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, uh, <laughs> but coaches are available. Front office people are available. Um, you know, I, so I've seen some of these workouts, but like, it's not. It, it's it's one of those things where you look at somebody. I've never heard of a Saturday workout because Saturday, no real NFL decision maker is going to be available unless they have a bye week. It's going to be available on a Saturday, you know, and that's where this feels not significant or not um it, it just doesn't feel like it, it's it's gonna move the needle for Kaepernick that much you know it's there will be NFL people there there these NFL franchises have a, a, a tremendous amount of scouts they have a some of them are also gonna be doing on the road doing college scouting but you'll have plenty of people that they'll put you know pro scouts and um you know unpaid you know scouts that 
will be able to go to these tests, is go to, to be able to go to this workout, but you're not gonna find, um, you know, Bruce Allen from Washington there. You're not gonna find, you know, Stephen Jones from Dallas there. Like, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels like I mean, those teams are playing this weekend, you know, and the you're not gonna find any head coaches, no quarterback coaches. They're worried about Sunday, or they're worried about the team they play next week. They can't worry about Colin Kaepernick, who unless they're seriously considering signing him. And that's where I think I don't think any of these teams are seriously considering signing him right now. Because if they were, they wouldn't they would bring him in for a individual team workout at the team facility. Um this uh, this pro day stuff makes more sense that these are this is a situation where they're going to look after him, uh or going to look into him for next season. And this is kind of their preliminary preliminary evaluation of him, but I don't think that this is means anything imminent is happening unless Kaepernick lights it up. Some some teams like we got to jump on this guy now, but assuming he looks solid and he is what he is, I think this is probably a next year deal. And but I think there are more workouts to come with individual teams. But this is the first step. It is a first step. Um, I have to admit, I I am very uh, skeptical about how important of a step it is because of the nature of it. Like you said, um, Saturday workouts are extremely rare in the NFL. The idea that there won't be, there likely won't be any very important decision makers on the field while Kaepernick works out means something to me. Uh, that leads me to be a little more skeptical of the situation. Um, to, I should give you guys the list of the teams as of right now who are supposedly supposed to be there. So uh, the Cardinals, the Falcons, the Bengals, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Lions, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Patriots, the Buccaneers, and uh, the Washington Redskins, I believe, are all the teams that have uh, – that, that Also, I think Josina Anderson, I think, has the Jets in there as well. Um, a lot of those teams need either a quarterback or a backup. So, mm-hmm. like – long term so it's not like you know you're going to find a team on there that already has three quarterbacks I mean, on the list and just if you watch if you watch football every sunday and you watch some of the guys that are playing right now or the guys that are on holding clipboards and the dire quarterback situation the teams are under he should be playing tomorrow or sunday he i mean he should be on the he should be on the field on sunday whether it be you know on the sidelines or whatever like like there are teams with some really dire situations i mean Dan Orlovsky, who works with ESPN, says that he got called to see if he was interested in coming back. Then Matt Hasselbeck, who's, you know, 78 years old. <laughs> you know, obviously he's not exactly 78, but he's, he's pretty up there. Kurt um, Warner got a call last year. Yeah, Kurt Warner got a call last year. I mean, these these teams are always looking for talent at the quarterback position when they lose guys. And Kaepernick, having the resume he has, absolutely should have a job. It is a, a first step. But um, it concerns me that, you know, the league has now made all these kind of weird, like, about-face moves that as soon as this was announced, like, at first, you know, the media was supposed to be there. Now it's closed to media. So word can get out that he looked terrible and there will be no neutral party to say whether or not that was the actual case. Um, They also, now they said they won't give out a list of teams that will be there. I don't know if that's as big a deal because as we're saying you know we're, we're learning very quickly who's gonna, who's there and that, that that list will get leaked out regardless but i do think it is kind of interesting that the nfl um the the lack of transparency 
the transparency that they were initially offering has now immediately been starting to get taken back. Uh, I do find that interesting. Now, I, 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 Kaepernick, this is the closest it seems like he's been to getting any kind of NFL attention. But I can't help but feel like there are some teams that probably want to see him, that actually do want to see him. But they don't have, they needed the cover to be able to see him without you know being the team that called him in for a workout. So by having this, like you said, a, basically a pro day where everybody's just invited, those teams can now go and see Kaepernick without the idea of having to, you know, explain to their fan bases why you were the team that brought him into your facility and interviewed him and worked him out and eventually made a decision on him one Which, way or the other. It, I, it, 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 it puts, puts a lot that, of less pressure on, on all these teams. Go ahead, Kendall. Am I the only one that feels like the the narrative that Kaepernick would be... Like, I don't... Like, there are some people out who don't like him, and, you know, it is what it is. But... And some players probably don't like him, but... I think people have mostly moved on. Maybe I'm being naive, but I think that, like, I don't think he's just nearly as hot of a name as he was, you know, in terms of, like, the visceral, like, rage. Like, people, like, team people would have really, like, rioted and boycotted had he been signed. Yeah, because I think, I mean, yeah. I don't don't think that that'll happen. I think if he gets signed this offseason, especially if it's a team in a certain with a certain demographic that won't, you know, I, for example, if he gets signed by, you know, the, if he gets signed by the Jets, for example, like, I don't think you're going to see, you know, the Jets all of a sudden half the fan base is divided against the guy. He's a backup quarterback. I, maybe, may, again, maybe that's me being naive, but. I mean, I there know. will be, I mean, every fan base is going to have a group of people who will be completely utterly against and be voice be uh very loud in their opposition to signing Kaepernick. I think how I think basically how much how large that group is depends on just the geography of where your team is. I would think that the Jets have a smaller group, but though that I I mean I know Jet fans who I think would be outraged if they signed Colin Kaepernick. So I mean yeah. I, I so I don't think that like maybe I'm I'm underestimating how um how 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 that would go. But like I mean I, I would think he'd have a better situation if he was signed by the Chargers than he was than if he was signed by like the Jaguars. Titans, like, yeah. Or the Titans, you know, or the Colts. Like there are teams that to me very clearly you could look at and say this probably presents more of an issue than it maybe other teams. Um We'll have to see about this. I, I really want to, you know, hold my my res- hold my feelings about it until I see how it all plays out. So far, I'm not liking it. What I'm hearing, you know, he was saying, "Can we move it to Tuesday?" They didn't want to do it. He said, "Can we move it to next Saturday?" So we have more time. But apparently, this was kind of thrust upon him. It, you know, when the first initial reporting came out, they made it sound as if it was like coordinated effort between Kaepernick and the NFL. And the more reporting comes out, and more it sounds like. The NFL just showed up at his door and was like, hey, you're working out Saturday. And that's not how this should have went. Um, and that's that, and, that, and that's that's where when you hear people saying this is a publicity stunt, that's where that comes from. Um, but it, I guess it's better than nothing. 
I mean, that's really the only, that's really the best I can say about this. And if he ends up eventually getting signed after all of this, where publicity is done or not, at least justice would be served by Kaepernick having a job. It does feel weird how they're going about this. I think he eventually. I did. I was in the camp that he would never play in the NFL. I, I changed. This makes me think that he will get signed because I think that they're clearly teams that want to see him. So, and the the quarterback play on teams' benches is so bad right now that I think somebody's going to take a shot on him. Even if it's they invite him to training camp, he maybe doesn't even make it to the regular season. But I, I think he will get that <laughs> and shot. This this is the clear like proof that, especially in the NFL, if you can play, teams will overlook anything. Of course. But also it's... Also, it's a deal of again. I think the I think these teams have noticed what I've noticed. Maybe again, maybe I'm being maybe I'm being wrong, but I just don't. I just no. I, just I don't think people you. are nearly as frustrated with Kaepernick as they were two years ago because he's been out of the the picture. Ironically, you know, it's just like people. It's just like OJ Simpson. Like OJ Simpson in '95 was the most divisive figure, one of the most divisive figures in America. Probably yeah, he was a pariah. You know, OJ Simpson now. You know, he could do something. Still, people probably don't like him. OJ but... Simpson's like a love. He's like a lovable guy on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, you know, like, he, he has like, a he has a fan base that actually likes him on Twitter, which is yeah, crazy. Well, yeah, it's OJ. You know, it's funny, but like, so like, I'm not saying Kaepernick. Obviously, not OJ Simpson, but I'm just saying like, you know, the people that hated OJ in in '94, '95, don't really care about him now. You know, I think Kaepernick. It's obviously not you know a 20, 30 year gap, but I think. People have moved on. I mean, it's just like what we saw with Michael Vick. I mean, it's it's literally every it's every situation that in the heat of the moment, yes, there are, there's going to be visceral, strong feelings about people who people perceive to be controversial figures. Or not? No, it's not even perceived. I mean, Kaepernick is a controversial figure. Like now, you could argue whether he's con- whether he should be controversial. That's a different argument, but he is controversial. Um, once the feelings around the moment pass, eventually the attention uh, around the player and the, or the, the figure passes. And the moment of the kneeling of the national anthem was hot in 2016 and 2017, and now we're in 2019. And guess what? People have their attentions on other things. People are, are, are worried about uh, impeachment. People are worried about the NCAA robbing kids. You know, people like, like you're like the, 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 the causes that people jump to uh, just change with time. So I think that the NFL, I agree. I think they realize that, and teams are like, okay, I think we could probably get away with it. We're going to face some kind of backlash, but it's not going to be nearly the kind of backlash that we would have felt, you know, you know, a couple years ago. I think, and now, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I think, I'm going to say this, if President Trump's approval rating was above 50%, I don't think this would be happening. Because I do think that Trump being president in the time, in the timing of the kneeling, and the timing of Trump making his presence felt, and you know, throwing his weight around—no uh, pun intended—in um, that kind of arena of the debate, look, it, just... it, it messed up a lot of teams who maybe wanted to do something. He's now keep it one hundred, keep it a buck. He's not that popular. I don't care if you're and right or left. Beyond, that's what the approval even, rating shows. Even beyond his approval rating, because I, I mean his approval rating's been low for a long time. But I think the fact that he could potentially be on the way out also <laughs> is uh, something NFL teams that they could be absolutely. Paying attention to. 
I, I, I he's think he's gonna have way less relevance. He's still gonna be relevant, but he's gonna have way less relevance, you know, a year from now, two years from now, potentially, than he did, uh, than he has the last three, four years. Absolutely, and that's not, you know, for me and you, that's not a political commentary on Trump. That's just looking at the lay of the land and seeing NFL teams making calculations and how his commentary it was very clear right. made an impact I, on what I, was happening at the time. Well, you mentioning Trump then for me thought about well like if a team signs Kaepernick there will likely be a tweet from Trump about it which will then create the division amongst you know amongst uh, the 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 fan bases so and you know NFL teams do not want to deal with that no but if Trump has other stuff to deal with like a campaign or if he is not you know, or if he's not president by the time he gets signed or seems to be on the way out, then that stuff will not nearly and, matter. I mean, again, you could turn on your TV and know what he's going through right now. Even if he does tweet about Kaepernick signing, I just don't think no, nobody cares. It just won't have nearly impact because the dude may be out of office. <laughs> They're trying to kick him out. They're trying to get him get him out of there. So, like, it just it just when he was it was 2016. He just got elected. He's kind of riding high. Regardless of his popularity, it just it was a different vibe. I just don't think that people, the NFL teams, fear whatever him or his base come with anymore. So that's why they're open to the possibility of signing. I don't think it's a done deal. I had to predict that say he will get signed, but I still think it's going to be up in the air. Uh, let's stay with let's stay with football though, and let's move to college because as I said at the top of the show, we got our first big week of massive shakeup to the college football playoff race. So. LSU sits at number one, and Alabama's out of the top four after their showdown in Tuscaloosa, where LSU hung on for 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 a win uh, in a place where a lot of teams struggle uh, to even compete against Alabama. And LSU had a big lead in the first half and held on late to to, to squeak it out. Penn State fell all the way, I believe, to nine uh, in the in the college football playoff rankings. They they lost to undefeated Minnesota, who is now number eight. So your top four now looks like LSU. Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia, right? Am I mistaken on that? Nope, you're right. Yeah, so that's your top four teams. I said Alabama is on the outside looking in. Kendall, uh, do you think that right now these are the correct four teams? And based on what you've seen, how do you think this is going to all play out in the end? All right, so I've seen a lot of people that have been – Going a little crazy about, you know, Georgia being ranked over Alabama. Um, Because Alabama lost to LSU in a very close game. You know, LSU, they won the game pretty handedly, but it was was a close game. And Georgia lost their game to a South Carolina team that's like four and six. So I understand that frustration. But I think people, like, people getting frustrated over the basketball playoff in week like seven or week nine or whatever week we're in, it's just unnecessary, you know, <laughs> like, because again, like I said on last week's show, a lot of this stuff will play itself out. A lot of these teams still control their own destiny. Like Alabama, if they run the table, that would include another winning against Auburn. They won't probably, they probably won't play in the SEC championship game. If that isn't already locked up for LSU, but they probably won't play in the SEC championship game. But if Georgia beats LSU, then Georgia would have a legitimate 
conversation uh, against Alabama. Oh, Georgia beats and, LSU. There ain't no conversation. They, they're ahead of Alabama. Right. They're ahead of – you can make the case they're ahead of Alabama because Alabama doesn't have a win like like Georgia – like LSU. Well, if LSU's undefeated at that point. So it's – so, like, the people that are upset, I mean, look, if LSU does what they're supposed to do and beats Georgia, then Alabama's effectively number four. And then the conversation then becomes, well – should you Alabama know, be ahead of a Pac-12 champion right, that's a Pac-12 Oregon or Utah champion. that has one loss? I would put them ahead of both of those teams because I think even though they're not the conference champion, I, they're both one-loss teams. And I think the conference stuff, in my opinion, becoming more and more stupid. Like, if you're a conference champion, I don't care. You know, like, look at the resume. Look at – because these conferences aren't all created equal. And that's the problem with this Power 5 system is that they assume that each Power 5 conference more or less uh, – or the each Power 5 conference are more or less equal. And that's just not – that's just not the case. Um, because, you know, Alabama – the SEC is not exactly a gauntlet, but there are about four or five really good teams at SEC versus the Pac-12, which may actually be a little deeper, but, like – there aren't that many elite teams. You know, it's just Oregon and Utah, and then I don't even know if those teams are elite. So I, it's 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 hard for me to say that, you know, because Oregon wins the Pac-12. I think Oregon, they have the conver- you can have the conversation between them and Alabama, but then if Alabama has a win over Auburn, who beat Oregon on a neutral site, it's hard for me to then put Oregon over Alabama. So I, I don't know. Um you know the real the real team that should be frustrated. You know, you can make the case Minnesota should be frustrated. I mean, they're only one spot ahead of uh, Penn State, and they beat that Penn State team last week. Um, they're undefeated. Penn State has one loss, and they dominated Penn State. Let's. I mean, forget about what the final score was. I mean, they were in control the entire game. That was not a competitive game from Penn State. They had, they made a late run, but. Minnesota, it wasn't like, oh, Minnesota squeaked by. Like, Minnesota was the better team that day. Right. Just like LSU pretty much dominated Alabama. Exactly. You know, and Alabama got hot in the second half. But, I don't know. Like, I, I the, the, these things will play itself out. Again, Minnesota, if they win out, will be in the college football playoff. Like, I know that. Like, it's a guarantee. You know, people were going crazy last week. Minnesota 17, they're undefeated. They ranked twelfth in the eight people. I'm like, calm down. If they beat Penn State, they will jump up. But if they move up nine spots this week, if they continue to win out, they'll probably be a top five team by the time the Big Ten championship game rolls around. And then if they win that game, they will be in the top three probably. So I these teams, Baylor again, another team almost lost TCU this week, but if they beat OU this week, they become they be they they enter squarely into the conversation for, uh, you know a a, a top four seed in this in the college football playoffs. So I don't know, um, you know. But you okay? But you okay with the rankings, or do you think it's kind of irrelevant? I think it's largely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You know what I think about these rankings? I mean, the only thing that's relevant about these rankings in at this time of year is that you get an idea for what the committee is looking at 
at this point in the season, like what they're going to be looking at when the when the time is right. But even that sometimes is contradictory because we've seen in past years, both in basketball and in in football, football especially because they do the rankings weekly, is that we've seen these they they'll say one thing about what they're looking for, and then all of a sudden, or the rankings will say something, and then all of a sudden they 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 change up their philosophy by the time the decision is made. Like Alabama could be six, but then once push comes to shove. Like, they will, like, if they're really trying to compare one-for-one one, Alabama and Oregon, are, are they really going to put Oregon ahead of Alabama? I don't think so. I think I test will, I test tends to prevail more times than not with this college football playoff committee. So, and that will be more, that will be something that we'll decipher more so uh, when we get to the end of the season. My honestly, my biggest issue, the thing that I would have not done, I, I would have kept Ohio State at number one. You know, I understand LSU beat Alabama, which is, I mean, it's an incredible win. You know, but I mean, Ohio State won by like almost seventy with without their best player. So there's not much. Clearly, there was nothing they could have done, which means that the number one ranking that they gave them last week was arbitrary and meant nothing. Um, I, that's an interesting case about. Ohio State over LSU for number one. I'm fine with LSU having the number one spot because they. I just think they have too many quality wins. I I, I know I get Ohio State. They they've obliterated everybody they've played, and that's true. But I think LSU. You got wins on the road in Texas and Alabama, and then you have Florida and Auburn at home. I mean that's the best resume. No team has a resume with those wins, so. I just don't see how they can't be number one. Uh, though I, I I get Ohio State's dominance. I, I was so back and forth on the Georgia Alabama debate. Overall, I agree. You're right. I think that it's kind of irrelevant because Georgia will not be in that fourth spot if they lose to LSU. So and if they win, they'll deserve it. <laughs> and if they win, Alabama shouldn't have anything to say. They do not deserve to be in the playoff, so they should be quiet. So me and you on the same page on that. Here's what I'll say. I think Georgia having a such a bad loss at home really should have, you know, maybe dropped them out of that top five or top four, rather, despite Alabama's loss. But here is why I'm actually okay with the committee doing what they did. Because it's kind of like what we talk about in college basketball. Yes, bad losses are bad, but at the end of the day, you got to show you can beat somebody good. And Alabama, do I know they could beat good teams? Of course. But they had control over their schedule, and they scheduled Duke and New Mexico State and Southern Mississippi. They, 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 and then late in the year, they got, what, Western Carolina? I mean, it's they kind of gave themselves no rope. So to speak, in terms of if you're if you're like you know if you're like you know uh, a tight roping you know you know the Empire State Building or something like they didn't give you guys you gave themselves no rope you didn't schedule any teams that would be intriguing and, and any wins that would be impressive so uh, I'm sorry Tennessee that's not going to cut it Texas A and M has had a down year and a year people thought they would be good so that win is not going to cut it um, they don't have. The, the body of work that shows any quality wins. And while I'm not saying Georgia has played world beaters, I think winning at home against Notre Dame and winning a neutral site over a Florida team that's been solid this year, that battled 
to a decent level against LSU, those are better wins. They, they those that shows me that this team when they play against uh, top notch competition, that they they've shown up. And the one chance Alabama had to to show us that they can play at that level, they were down twenty at halftime. So I, I I don't have a problem with them not being in the top five because I do think that we're going to penalize uh, Utah and Oregon and Minnesota by saying, look, you guys, look at your wins. You didn't beat anybody of any value. Why do we just give Alabama the benefit of the doubt? I don't think that that's necessarily fair. And I'm all about wanting everything to be fair. So for that reason, that reason alone, I'm fine with Alabama being out of the top uh, top four. I think this... Uh, football ranking is is mostly fine i agree the minnesota thing is a little uh is a little is again a little irrelevant i probably would have put them ahead of utah maybe um you could make the case they should be ahead of oregon too i guess the only thing with oregon's i would say that you know they lost a very close game in the first game of the season to a good team so maybe i would i would i would keep Minnesota behind them, but I mean, there's a great case for Minnesota to be a six. They've beaten everybody they've played. They have a better win than uh, than Oregon or Utah. So you know what? I changed my mind. I, I no, I think Minnesota should be ahead of both of those teams because yeah, I, I don't I don't give teams points for losing to bad losing the good team. Right, I mean, it's kind of I mean, like what I said. It's, it's like, it's like, like what I said dock, to Alabama. Yeah, exactly. I don't dock you. I don't dock you too much for losing to them, but I, I'm not going to give you a. A cookie because you only lost by, by a right. Out. My thing was the circumstances of it being a neutral site first game right. of the season. Teams have changed a lot and they've dominated since. Then. Right, like but, yeah, like it shouldn't. It should. They shouldn't be penalized as much as uh, Georgia. Right, now. I agree with that conversation. But, but but I think that Minnesota. You know, when we talk about their case at eight, they. I mean, again, Penn State is better than any team. Utah's beaten. Oregon's beaten. It's better than any team Alabama's beaten. So and they're undefeated. So I, I, I know I don't. So I, I'm not sure um, about Minnesota standing. But to me, I think the committee looked at the teams and said they just think that those teams are better than Minnesota. That's why I looked at it. I that they, they just they just said, OK, and what like we're going to move them up as much as we can until we get to a point where we're like, OK, I just don't think you're as good as this team. There's there's nothing you've shown me to suggest that. To me, what they told me is they just don't think they're as good as Utah, Oregon, Alabama, Georgia. And I'm not going to fight them and say that you're crazy for it. Um, not when there's yeah, three. The not when, not, not when there's, and I can't say that. Not when there's three more games to play when they can decide. They can show that they are better than those teams. You know, Now, this was the last game of the season. And they said, sorry, I don't know you're undefeated, but I just don't think you're better than Oregon who lost one game. Yeah, Alabama. That, that is unfair, and that would be an issue. But... In terms of ranking the teams as a power ranking, so to speak, uh, and kind of keeping everything uh, it, as fair game in terms of evaluating them, I understand that. I would have put them at six, but I could see them being at number eight. It, but it's it just shows you, like, these preseason ranking stuff is just like, while, yes, Minnesota's resume is what has kept them, you know, back. Like, if they would have started the season 15, they'd be number three probably. Yeah, they shouldn't you know, have they shouldn't have a preseason ranking, and they will never do it because it drives ratings, it drives fan interest, yeah. it drives conversation. They'll never get rid of it. But to me, they shouldn't have uh, they shouldn't Dude, have why, a ranking so until the four, until Alabama week four. Resume and 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 Baylor's, yeah, you know, none of neither team played anybody. You know, like Alabama played three scrub teams. 
and so did Baylor. Minnesota played three scrub teams, and so did Baylor non-conference. Exactly. Yeah, but those teams we didn't know would be good. Who knew? But <laughs> you know, we thought Texas would be elite this year. Right. We thought Michigan would would dominate. So I don't know. as we know, that did not happen. This year. I just hope though that Minnesota can stay alive and stay undefeated until the Big Ten championship game. Because I'm not convinced they will. I hope they are. They the schedule down the stretch is tough. I mean, this game against Iowa is gonna be tough, and then they yeah, got I'm Wisconsin in the year on the road. Yeah, and they play Wisconsin. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm saying I don't. I don't I think they're the gonna team, make it. But I, I do. I, I just don't think they're gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota. The, the Wisconsin game is at home. Is at home to for correction. But and I just feel like at this point, once you've beaten Penn State, I feel like now their eyes are set at Ohio State. Which they, is, they cannot do that. <laughs> which they can't do They are that. not the kind of team that should be looking ahead to anybody. Like, they, should be, they, should be, they shouldn't be looking two hours ahead, <laughs> let alone a month ahead. It, it just It's it, it naturally like they start looking at themselves like the, they're the big fish. And they can't lose the edge that they've played with all season. You know, Baylor has the lucky, they have the luck of having, I mean, we won't say luck, but like they have Oklahoma this week. So they got a chance to get that monkey I'm off the back. I'm pretty sure now. whoever plays a uh, you know cornerback and safety for, for, for Baylor doesn't, doesn't think they're very lucky. Or for Baylor is like yeah, they're very lucky <laughs> to play against Oklahoma this week. You can see CD Lamb so lucky. Oh, and then if we win, we'll probably see him again in the Big Twelve <laughs> Championship. Great. Yeah, no. Nah. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, this is shaping up to be a a very 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 fun end of the college football season. Um, a lot of these teams are still in the conversation. A lot of these conferences have multiple teams. The only pretty clear, you know, situation is Clemson. Just I just can't see them losing. Like I can't see them. I can't see them losing again. Yeah, I mean, we we've both watched ACC all year because of our respective teams who have been up and down, just like the yeah, whole conference. And uh, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, Clemson losing would be a complete and utter shocker. Uh, they had Wake Forest this week, who at a time was ranked, but has been struggling recently. Uh, they have South Carolina on the road. It's a rivalry game, so I guess anything's possible. But and they did play Georgia well. Obviously, they beat them, but I, nobody sees that happening. And I, I just any team that they play in the Coastal, good luck to that team. Um, I, I just it's funny. There's there's been conversations amongst Miami fans saying that they do not want to win the Coastal. Because they prefer to just, you know, win out, but you no, know, don't don't win the coastal. Yeah, like go on and, a win streak, and you know? and then win your bowl game, and now you go into next season. You know, you know, you know, the sky is 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 rosy and things are looking good. You got some momentum instead of you know winning your I'll last few games. Pitt, when we won that ACC coastal last year, I mean, that Clemson game like killed momentum pretty badly. You know, because when. You lose to a team by 30, 40 points. It's like, well, why did we even show up? Like, what does this even mean? Like, this thing, it's a false championship. But, like you said, you can lie to yourself and say, oh, man, like, you know, we, we could have beaten Clemson. We were playing great football. When in reality, I mean, it's unlikely. But yeah. the ACC's got to do something. And there's nothing you could do. It's not even like the Atlantic Division's good. They can't yeah, even say, it's oh, a, go this, this is a bad team. conference. It's just a terrible conference with only one good team. And I don't know how. Well, I remember Pitt, Miami and Florida State were supposed to be linchpins the, as 
powers. And Virginia Tech is supposed to be a reliable team. And yeah, the three the three best programs, probably including Clemson, but the three best clo- programs uh, outside of Clemson are bad. Yeah, and then like schools like Louisville and Pitt and like Virginia. Yeah, Virginia, you know, BC, Syria, like schools that are supposed to be like solid. These teams can't compete with a team like Clemson. And they can't compete with a team like Clemson, you know? like Right, exactly. They kind of are what they are, but like it's not, they're not going to be Clemson. Yeah. So it's I mean, just... the Coastal, if if Virginia wins like they are expected to, the Coastal will have had seven champions, seven different champions in the last seven years. <laughs> it's. That that's the stat that tells you everything about the Colts. Yeah, that's absurd. <laughs> any team, literally any team, has won it. Every team has won it in the last seven years. Yeah, that, that's completely absurd. That's basically all you have to say. Every team has won it in the last. Um, Kendall, tell me if you heard this before. The New York Knicks are in turmoil. <laughs> uh, a couple times. Yeah, it's I, rare, but yeah, I, I think you heard it every once, once at least once or twice, because uh, the team came into Thursday night with the worst record in the Eastern Conference and is reportedly already gearing up to fire head coach David Fisdale. After an embarrassing Sunday home loss to the Cavs, President Steve Mills and GM Scott Perry held an impromptu press conference uh, lamenting the team's execution and effort to start the season. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, Mills is telling owner James Dolan the team is not being well coached and that it should be highly competitive in the Eastern Conference. Kendall, what did you just say? <laughs> Mills says the team is what not, being well, he's not being well coached and should be highly competitive in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> so, Kendall, I just, put, be I, highly I, competitive. I just leave he it. He said there's a, there's a roster constructed to be highly competitive in the Eastern Conference. I'll I just leave it to you, Kendall. Uh, where did the Knicks go from here? Man. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a roster. The best player is Julius Randle. Um, I mean, the best player is already Barrett. Yes, that was like, first Even, of all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's let's, 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 let's Barrett, only speak, let's so speak, no, let's speak no cap while we do have this conversation here. Yeah, no cap. The, the roster is constructed for, our, for Julius Randle to be the best player, but he hasn't been. Um, but it's built around Julius Randle. And R.J. Barrett, a rookie, who's been solid, but he, you know, he's had his 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 ups and downs, uh, as all rookies do. <laughs> besides, uh, John Morant, Luka <laughs> yeah, John Morant apparently, but um, but like, you know, I I feel like when you, in the roster, it is what it is. I mean, it's a team built with a lot of power forwards, uh, a lot of a lot of guards that no one really. Thinks is that good, and Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, and Julius Randle. First of all, he's a guy that needs spacing to operate, and the team this team doesn't have much shooting. Nope. People are asking why is Wayne Ellington playing. I feel like that has to be the only reason. It's like give this guy some some semblance of spacing because he's playing around, playing with Alfred Payton and Dennis Smith and Frank Nilakina and. R.J. Barrett and you know Kevin Knox and you know Taj Gibson and like stop me when you when 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 you hear an elite shooter <laughs> on this roster <laughs> there isn't one but um it, it, look but regardless like 
David Fisdale was dealt this hand. And, like, I'll, I'll, you know, I was talking to our dad this weekend. I told him, we were talking about, you know, whether or not Fisdale would last. And I told him, look, Fisdale is going to come down to Mills and Perry, Scott Perry, the GM, are going to have to make a decision. We can blame this on... We can blame this on the, the, the team. We can give Fisdale some patience and say, look, we're playing bad basketball, but, um, you know, but we're not going to, we're not going to, uh, we're not supposed to compete. But that would take a direct shot at all the moves that they made this offseason to stay competitive, like signing Julius Randle and signing Bobby Portis and signing Taj Gibson and drafting R.J. Barrett. The other option is they can say, look, we made all these great moves, and David Fisdale isn't coaching these guys up to play. And that is the move that alleviates them and absolves them of all blame. Because now you're saying it's because of David Fisdale we're not winning games. Anyone with eyes can say, while Fisdale hasn't done a great job, he hasn't been, you know, a modern-day Greg Popovich or Phil Jackson or Red Auerbach, but... This isn't an, this isn't a David Fisdale issue. No, there are probably some coaches that can coach this team up to be better, but there aren't many coaches. Probably not a coach that they're going to hire that is going to do with they're going to do anything with this roster that David Fisdale can't do. So the and it, so they they chose option two, which was throw Fisdale under the bus and save their own skins. I don't blame them because again they have to save their own jobs and they're. They are on the hot seat after the Porzingis trade and after not getting Durant and Kyrie. They can pretend that they aren't. Dolan can pretend that they aren't on the hot seat, but obviously those guys are on the hot seat. And then you get the report from Frank Isola. I don't know how legit it is, but that they want Masai Ujiri, which, I mean, I guess it's, I'm sure it's legit that they want Ujiri, but I don't know if there's any legit interest on his part. But... um you have the, the report that they're interested in Masai Ujiri, and it, all these puzzles start to fit and make sense that these guys are desperate. And I think them having that press conference, which I don't know if that was on their own volition, but regardless of them having that press conference, to them blasting Fisdale, to them clearly behind the scenes making some moves to suggest that he, and saying some things, chirping that he's going to be on the out. It suggests these guys are, I think, on their last leg. Not just Fisdale, but I think Mills and Perry. Look, has David Fisdale done a good job coaching this team? Absolutely not. There's, there's, I don't think anyone who watched the Knicks the way I watched the Knicks or the way any Knicks fan watches this team can argue with really anything Fisdale has really gotten right with this team. Um his refusal to play Frank Nilakina to start the season. Um, the, you said the, the lack of, uh, of his ability to, to, to get easy shots for his team. Um, the team comes out with no focus, no energy to start games. Uh, the rotations have been weird. The roles have been weird. Uh, he, allowing Julius Randle to uh, drill the ball off the court, turn the ball over, and then come back and play zero defense without any accountability. Awful. David Fisdale has done a miserable job as Knicks head coach this season. However, the team that he's been given and the team that's been put in place is a joke. 
And what annoyed me, I think what annoys a lot of Knicks fans, is you see this guy, Steve Mills, go up there and completely throw his coach and his team under the bus and do what we've seen Steve Mills do pretty much since he came back to Madison Square Garden, Kendall. He is always someone else's fault. When Phil Jackson was around and he got shown the door, it was Phil Jackson's fault why we had all these issues. Well, before Phil Jackson, when him and Phil Jackson was still a tandem, remember, it was Carmelo Anthony's fault for everything that was going on. Then when Phil got kicked out of the door, it was Phil Jackson's fault for what was going on. Now I'm in charge. I have uh, better communication with players. I have more of a, of a, of a relationship with how the, the game is played nowadays. Things will be better now. Then it became Chris Porzingis' fault. And now it's becoming David Fisdale's fault. I just feel like Mills, every time this guy seems to always be absolved of any blame with anything having to do with this team. And I don't, I don't understand it. He was the general manager, and now he's the president of the team. And somehow, it's always someone else's fault for why this team looks as sorry as they look every year. And in my opinion, there is no way under any circumstances that Steve Mills needs to be involved with the next stage of the Knicks rebuild that starts with a new head coach. He cannot be allowed to make that decision. If that means he needs to go down with the ship or you need to wait this out, whatever. But he has been with the Knicks for I don't know how many years at this point. He came in to be GM with Phil Jackson. And it's just been just a pure dumpster fire ever since he arrived. And there aren't and there, and there aren't any moves I can really point to that Steve Mills has made that I can say, oh, well, he did this or he did that. And that's why... He, he's shown his value as, as, as Nick's general manager or president. Besides I, Mitchell be Robinson, that's it. Let's be real. I, 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 you know, I don't know how relevant this stuff is, but, I mean, before he was with the Knicks, you know, he had time as long period of time as president of Madison Square Garden Sports. And, you know, that, you know, <laughs> that didn't go so well for him as well. And there's a reason he, he lost that job. So... Well, the team made money, but it, it, it that and, and the garden makes money as it always makes money. So he was successful right. in that yeah. regard, but he was not successful in regards to the PR disaster and the nightmare right. that Madison's Garden went, Madison Square Garden went through with the Isaiah Thomas sexual harassment case. Right, exactly. That's what I was referencing. So he, so like, you know, his track record is shaky, regardless, and. I mean, I, I don't know. It just, it just rubs me the wrong way that he didn't go up there. And look, I, it's hard, it's easy for me to say, go up there and take take blame for yourself. When yeah, go fight, go fire yourself. That, what happened? Yeah, go go up there and fire yourself, basically, because that's what you'd be doing yeah, exactly. by saying that. This go team, up, yeah, go up there and say, I've done, I've hey, done a good job. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done the job correctly. You know, I, I didn't, because at the end of the day, like. You you calculate these moves and to go up there and admit in ten games in the season, I didn't build the right team, or when at the end of when in reality, once the games are being played, it's it's on the coach. So I can get from that perspective that's what he's saying, but like, and he's not going to kill the team's confidence and say you guys stink. I, you know I brought in some scrubs. Like he can't say that, even though 
A lot of fans are saying that. But, um, so it's easy for me to say that, but at the, at the same time, to blame it on Fizdale, so obviously blame it on Fizdale, is also not the right thing to do. Which is why I argue I wouldn't be shocked if that was a Dolan move and not a Mills and Perry move. Like, I think they're trying to save their skin, but I also think that, you know, they were, they, they were, apparently they met with, they met with Dolan during that game against the Cavs. Wouldn't be surprised if Dolan told them, you guys got to have a press conference after this game. And this, and these are two guys in Mills and Perry who I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to pretend here like I'm the biggest, uh, you know, what's the word? Supporter of the the New York Knicks uh, beat writers as a group. I, there are some that are great. There are others who are not. I will leave it at that. But these dudes have been skirting and running away from these guys ever since Chris Porzingis was traded. They, they, they have not held a news conference since the end of the last season. I mean, not news conference, sorry. A, they haven't made themselves available to the media since then, Mills and Perry did an interview with uh, with uh, Mark Spears. Shout out to Mark Spears. And that's it. So you guys have been running away. You, they literally have been running away from responsibility from the beginning. And to see both of those guys go up there and run away from more responsibility again for the sake of saving their own skin to bury Dave Fitzdale. It just was not right. It was not cool. How could you watch this team and watch that disgrace that went on on Sunday and feel like you have great leadership and you're headed in the right direction? You can't feel that way after seeing that. There's no way under any circumstances that David, that excuse me, that Steve Mills needs to be involved with the future of the New York Knicks. He has been shown that he's unable to execute any kind of plan that he's putting forth. First, the plan was to rebuild with Chris Porzingis. They couldn't keep Chris Porzingis happy, so you had to trade him. Then the idea was, well, we're going to sign all these free agents, well, it's cat space, and we got a young prospect in Dennis Smith, it will be okay now. Dennis Smith might have to go to the G League because he's in, like, first of all, let me, before I even continue with Dennis Smith, he had a death in his family. I think his stepmother died or whatever, so, of course, I'm happy that he's back with the team, and, um, and I wish... Uh, him, you know, not only great physical, great mental health for him and his family. But Dennis Smith has struggled mightily this entire season and may have to be sent to the G League because of how bad he's looked. So that was a piece you got for Porzingis. That didn't work out. The catch base you got for Porzingis, you signed on Julius Randle, who has, who's averaging four turnovers as a power forward, who's literally a walking turnover when you watch him play. You signed a bunch of guys who don't fit with this team. Marcus Morris is leading them in scoring, but him playing with Randle... You have a you have two guys that are slow footed. You don't have enough shooting. He has, I mean, literally n- n- no plan. He's put into place has done has gone right. He's saying that this team was supposed to be competitive. Nobody thought this team was a good team. So yeah, either no. t- so to me either well to, to, fair, to me no there were people that thought the team was gonna be good. Who I'm, thought I don't this team friend. was going to be a good team? There were people that thought this team would be massively improved. I was not one of them, but there were people Who? that thought it would be a playoff team. You know, Jalen Rose, you know, I, you know, like they were national Yo, teams funded. Jalen Rose, he might, I might have had some words with Jalen Rose. I just don't Jaylen see, Rose I don't think, the, I, the, I don't look, how, look, look this look, roster look, is not a playoff there roster. There were a lot of Knicks fans that thought that maybe we wouldn't be a playoff team, but. Well, that's what I mean. 
Don't, my, we should win no less than 30 games. But my thing that is, conversation. that's, I think and 30 that's games, that's fine. But I'm talking, when I say a good team, I mean, you win in 42, 43 games. And that's why I laughed with the, the whole, over The I, over and under I, for the Knicks this season not. for wins was like in the mid-30s. Like, Vegas wasn't giving the Knicks 40-something wins. So when I say good team, like right now they're an abomination. Did people think, including me, that maybe they can win 30 games? Yes. But I'm talking about winning 40, 42, 43, 44, 45, getting an 8, 7, or 6 seed in the Eastern Conference. There were not a lot of people before the season picking the Knicks to be that team. Maybe improved? Yes, they were the worst team in the league. It's hard to not be worse than they were last year. Everyone thought they'd be at least a little better. So that does maybe point to David Fisdale. But it also points to Steve Mills put the team together who said they would be better. And to me, if you're going to your owner and saying, and to the team owner and saying, this is a team that should be highly competitive in the Eastern Conference, I, my, my confidence in your leadership is completely evaporated. Because yeah, e- either like- your basketball evaluation skills are so off that you should be nowhere near an NBA franchise or you're regularly lying to the team owner and that is making that team owner act erratically as he always does. Either way, that is a recipe for disaster and he, this man needs to be gone. I feel bad for Scott Perry because I wish he would have got a better shot. I don't see how you keep Scott Perry around with Steve Mills, but I think he may have to go too. This needs a whole startup rebuild from the ground up again, which is crazy because this was supposed to be a rebuild already from last year. And the fact that it's gotten this bad is crazy, but they're already hitting the panic button. There's only nine or 10 games in and or 11 games, I guess now uh, after the Chicago game. And, And just, I'm just tired, man. This city, these fans, they're the best in the world and they deserve better than the nonsense we are getting. And to see leadership literally absolving themselves of all kind of blame for the catastrophe that is this Knicks basketball team. It ain't right. It just ain't right. It's not fair. And, um, you know, I'm reading Windhorse had a whole breakdown, the Knicks, everything that's happened to the Knicks pretty much since, uh, since before Porzingis got traded and just even seeing, you know, I forgot about the whole letter they sent about how they were disappointed about, free agency but that you know this is going to be a good team and stuff like just seeing everything that kind of unfold the way it has i don't think any Knicks fan oh no that's not true there are very pessimistic Knicks fans but it's just to, to see it go this badly but going into last season knowing you're gonna have all this cat space knowing that people are supposed to be interested and seeing this plan flop the way it has the only saving grace of this plan now is just hoping that somehow Dallas completely falls apart next year and they get the number one pick in the draft next year or something like that. Like, that's literally the only saving grace. But to me, we their time is done. We've seen this team put a plan together, and it's been a complete and utter disaster. They cannot no longer, they can no longer be part of the future. They need to restart right now. Um, and I, I don't know where they begin. I know you said Masai Jerry is someone they're interested in. I don't know why Messiah Drew when it comes to the Knicks. That's just and that, it, I mean to me unless he wants unless he wants unless he wants, just wants to collect a bag of money. I, look, I don't know. Again, that that I still think teams a little too specific for me to think that that was legit. I'm not saying he didn't get it from somebody, but wherever he got it from, I, I'm not. I don't think he's talking to James Dolan. 
is what I'll say. Uh, I'm pretty sure Dean, yeah, I'm pretty sure James, he's not the first guy on James Dolan's speed dial. I'm pretty sure. Exactly. So, but it, like, if that thing was legit and, like, Dolan thinks that getting Masai Ujiri is going to get them Giannis, then, I mean, look, I'm not saying don't get Masai Ujiri, but let's, let's hope that that's not the reason why. Because he can't keep trying to have have these dudes sell him a bag a bag of goods. Oh yeah, no, you can't do that. Only anymore. to then not get the guy because that that's going to be the thing. If they get Masai Ujiri, which they likely won't, but theoretically, if that were to happen, it would then be all right. We're doing this now. It's Giannis Chase. It's Giannis Watch, and the Knicks can't do that again. And like you're going to get a meeting with Giannis, or you're going to try. With or without Masai Ujiri, but just like every team will, but like hopefully the motivation isn't we got to do what it takes to get Giannis. Because I mean, would he change life for the franchise? Of course, but you don't want to be stuck like you were this all season. Um, where do we think that the Masai Ujiri? Because the idea is that the Raptors might be the favorites to get Giannis, and I'm like, is there something that we don't know? about Giannis and Masai Ujiri's relationship that people around the league maybe know? I mean, Masai is very plugged into the international basketball scene. He always has been. That's not... Especially the African basketball scene. Right, especially the African basketball scene. Giannis uh, has spoken about wanting to rep his African roots way more than he has. And that he's, you know, that's something that I've seen articles about. Is there some way they've made a connection at some point in time, whether it be basketball without borders or some other situation where maybe Giannis was impressed by seeing another African man in a high position in the NBA? And perhaps that's why he would be interested in perhaps seeing where he's gone, especially considering what Masai has accomplished. Uh, Masai, of course, you know, put together a team that was able to take him down in the playoffs. Right. You know, I guess that's where I would see the ties. Um because I, it just I, it, it's weird that they're so unanimously looked at. It. I mean, them and the Warriors, which is another weird one, because he has no connection to Golden State as far as I'm concerned. But like, those are the two threats to get Giannis, and I'm like, you would think it's be Miami, New York, Chicago, L.A., but no, nah. Toronto and Golden State. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand that. I mean, if I was running his management i don't know about the toronto thing i mean there is something about being a star of a whole country that's what Kawhi got to enjoy but i mean his brand would go to another level he's already huge in greece now he's huge in canada yeah two countries yeah three countries really three countries yeah including united states but like so I, i i guess i get that but i mean obviously as a new yorker knowing the greek population in new york i'm like it doesn't get much better as far as someone a Greek player want to play for an American sports team. New York City would definitely be a place I would look at. But um, yeah, I'm not sure what that is either. But man, this this Knicks thing is depressing. Like it's 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 ridiculous that we are we are 11 games into the season and Knicks are in crisis. Like that that just shouldn't happen. It's a it's a total and failure failure I on every whole... on every in every asset. And like what we don't talk about is we're talking about firing Fizdale, Kendall. Who hired Fizdale? Steve Mills hired Fizdale. Like, yeah. like to me, like any way you slice it, 
it's this man is to blame for how this whole thing went down. So even if he fires but, his own like, coach, it's the guy he hired. I, EJ, you know, I, I've said this before. I said it in reference to the Cavs last season. But I, I have a cardinal rule. If an NBA team, or any sport, really, but in this situation, the NBA, if a team fires a coach, like, after the first 5, 10, 15 games, the GM should be fired. Absolutely. Yeah. there is nothing that... You can learn, like, when Tyron Lue got fired after five games last year, I'm like, Kobe Altman, that, that's a fireable offense. Because you went this whole offseason with a coach realizing that, well, if we don't play well, he's on he's on the hot seat. Like, that makes no sense. So, David Fizzo, I know things haven't gone the, the way they would have liked, but we're only 10 games into the season. If you're really considering, if you really have essentially made the decision, we're probably going to fire this guy. Why didn't you do it in the offseason? What could you have possibly learned? And has this team not lived up to expectations? Sure. But there have been some circumstances, like you mentioned the Dennis Smith situation, and, if, you know, have been many injuries, but they've dealt with some guys that haven't been in the lineup, this, that, and the other thing, that have led to this team not playing the way they've, they've wanted. But... This season hasn't been a complete loss. R.J. Barrett's looked very good. I mean, does Fisdale not get any credit for that? I'm not saying that, you know, he's the reason why R.J. Barrett's playing great, but, he, you know, he's put him in a position to play well. But um, to me, honestly, when I see this but leadership— But firing a coach after 15 games makes no sense. When I see this leadership and I see the way this coach has been running this team, I don't want any of these guys near a prime blue-chip <laughs> talent like R.J. Barrett. Those, these guys should cannot be the guys who are who are you know the, the leading RJ through his formative years as an NBA basketball player, and I don't want him playing next to Julius Randle and these guys. Like I don't want any of the dudes that are in the Knicks facility to be around RJ Barrett at this moment in time in his career. Unfortunately, these are the hands we were dealt. But and may, maybe besides, like I like Mook Morris. I think he's a decent veteran. I, I'm fine with him. Oh yeah, he's a great retainer. No, and I mean, he's great until, you know, he's 20, 23 shots. <laughs> you know. Yeah, until but, like, he starts to, you know, until he starts to, like, you know, edging on his shots, then he starts, you know, going one-on-one. Yeah, he starts waving off. He starts oh, waving me. off. Believe me, all I've right. seen that Book Morris all season. But, like, so maybe besides him, that's fine. But, and the young other young guys, of course, I'm fine with. But any of the veterans, any of the other people in the Knicks lexicon, I don't want any of them near R.J. Barrett with the, how, what they've shown. So, it's just a it's a dark time for to be a Knicks fan as it's been now for like twenty something years. But I mean, I, this is the worst I've felt in a while. Seeing what happened on Sunday, seeing how it all played out, hearing the next day they're trying to fire the coach, that, that was just it just it doesn't feel good. And I don't know it. It also seemed to kind of put the team in a position where they kind of can't turn us around. Not to say that I thought they would, but when you put your coach just completely on notice like that. The team just is a lot of times they just don't respond uh, the way they should. They should have put the team on notice. That's what should have happened. The team should, you guys should have been like, look, you guys aren't playing. And you guys, as soon as December 15th hits, some of you guys are going to have a new home if you keep playing like this. That's what should have happened. But again, as you said, if he did that, that points to Mills, not to Fisdale. It's easy to point to Fisdale, despite the fact that this team makes no sense as a roster. No foot speed, no three-point shooting, uh, no point guard, no chance for this team. 
but nonetheless, that, that again would, would put the blame on Mills, and he wasn't going to do that. I think this is better for honestly. I think this is this probably better for him long term. I don't think that it's good to lose consistently. At some point, you want to start winning games, obviously. But I mean, you're going to get another top five pick this year. They need a point guard. There's plenty of point guards in this draft. Uh, so, it, uh, reality, it may not be bad that they're going to be bad, but. Um, and also, like you said, this may cause the turnover that they need. Real quick, give me – we're talking a lot about, you know, front office people. Give me a coach. Who's the next – one, who do you think will be the next coach and who is a name that you would like, potentially? Um, for a Knicks head coach. How do you feel about Becky Hammond? I've seen Becky Hammond get thrown out there. Becky Hammond – I think Becky Hammond is think, obviously she has you know ties to the New York Liberty when they were once owned by Madison Square Garden. Um, I think Becky Hammond clearly has shown that she's rising up the rank very quickly and is a, is a is a bright basketball mind. I just think that the circus that is New York City and Madison Square Garden it's not worth it right now. It's it just not mind to be the right fit. I just don't know if like if even if the Knicks were the most stable organization, I don't know if. Throwing the first female coach in New York City in the biggest I, spotlight I, I, with I all these people with, with, a, with a bad roster, like I don't know if that's how <laughs> I want Becky first, starting out. I ever see after the first loss, some some New York Yahoo on it and be like, you know, I don't think a man would have made that decision. <laughs> it's <laughs> gonna happen, you know, Fran, or Francesca is gonna screw up and and say the wrong thing. Like it, it's gonna happen. So that day is coming. I don't know if that day needs to be in New York City because I think it would be a lot worse. So. I'm going to say no to Becky Hammond, not for anything involving her with how she's moved up and what I've seen from her. Just this is ain't the fit for, for me, for her. Um, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the college ranks. Uh, I think Tony Bennett would be a name for me. I was thinking Tony Bennett and I was thinking Jay Wright. I know Tony Bennett's a boring, the boring brand of basketball, but the Knicks need boring. They do. The, the, they need boring, consistent Winning, young. The one thing Phil Bennett. Jackson said that I agreed with him 100% was the Knicks need structure and system-based basketball. That is 100% true. They need to have an identity for what they do. Now, Not people unless, unless people hated what they did with the, with the triangle. Career. Right, exactly. Now, if you have, uh, yeah, if you have elite talent, it doesn't matter as much. But for what they have, they need... A complete structure and say, "Hey, this is what our this is our identity, and this is how we're gonna play." I, I know with Tony Bennett, I'm getting an identity. We're gonna be defense first. We're gonna keep people out the paint, and we're gonna try to contest threes. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with I'm fine with any kind of identity. When I watch this Fizdale Knicks team, I don't see any identity. When I watch Hornacek, I saw no identity. Um, you no know, post Phil Jackson's ouster, pre Phil Jackson, they were a triangle team. They didn't execute it very well. It probably was way past his time, but at least they were trying to do something. Yes, I want someone who's going to come in and say, this is how we're going to play. This is what you can expect, and we'll go from there. I mean, before the season, you had the coaches and Nick players saying that we're going to be a team that picks up 94 feet. Who the hell on this team besides Frank and Ann Lakina and, 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 and Alfred Payton maybe has the foot speed or the athleticism be Picking up people 94 feet. You had Mar- Marcus Morris saying that. Like, what, what are these guys talking about? Like, 
they 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 have a lot of issues. They need a lot more structure. Whoever the coach is, I said I, I would I would really consider the college ranks. I think Tony Bennett is a good name. I think Jay Wright is a is a pretty good name. Um, the name I don't want to hear is Mark Jackson. Uh, again, we don't need more of a circus brought to a team that yeah, already that is, is a circus. You just we just that's just not what is needed under any circumstances. I one thing that I do think that Mark would uh, keep guys accountable, which has been. For whatever reason, I, I thought Fisdale would never have that issue. But I, I see some of the starting players, especially, again, Julius Randle's a guy I point to. Not, I mean, he is the guy that does it the most. But it's not just him. The other guys, too, who they just get away with not playing defense or making stupid decisions. And they get to play as many minutes as they want. And then if Frank makes up one bad decision, he's benched for the next three games. Like, they need someone who help people accountable. I think Mark would do that. I just think all the baggage that he's come with and everything he's he, he brings with outside of coaching, that would concern me a lot. So I don't know if I want him as a Nick coach. So I, 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 my initial read is to look at the college ranks. I don't see any coach currently that I would say, oh, I want this guy. You know, to me, if I had to pick one NBA coach that I see every day that I'd say I would love for him to be a Knicks head coach, it'd be Mike Malone. Um Again, I know what system we're going to play. I know what he's going to pr- bring to the table. He's, he's coached in New York before. Uh, I think he's a hell of a coach. I just don't think there's any reason he'd lead Denver. I know I don't. I don't see why that w- that would happen. So that would be if I had to pick one coach, a guy who I think would make be a good fit. I think he would be a good fit, but that's not going to happen. Um, Let's real quickly talk about this NCAA stuff. So uh, two pro- high-profile eligibility cases played out in college sports this week. Memphis freshman James Wiseman today dropped his lawsuit against the NCAA, meaning he has been ruled ineligible indefinitely. The NCAA found that head coach Penny Hardaway paid Wiseman's family $11,000 for moving expenses from Nashville to Memphis in 2017 when Penny was not Memphis's head coach at the time. Uh, but the NCAA viewed him as a booster because he had previously donated a million dollars to uh, to the university in, I believe, 2008. And uh, moving to football, uh, Ohio State star defensive lineman Chase Young will have to set out just one more game before returning uh, for next week's big showdown against Penn State. Young last week uh, uh, was was uh, ruled ineligible last week because uh, he accepted a loan from someone he described as a family friend, uh, but that it was repaid in full. But since he knew the friend after he was after or during his recruitment by Ohio State, therefore they viewed it as an impermissible benefit. Therefore, he got the the ineligibility, uh, you know, thing slapped on him. Kendall, why does the NCAA seem to feel like taking its marquee athletes on television for these bizarre technicalities is in the best interest of the NCAA at this moment in time, especially when they're moving more and more towards allowing kids to get some kind of money? It just seems so counterproductive. Uh, the penny thing to me looks targeted. I don't know what the situation is with the Ohio State stuff or why that would even be an issue. But what do you think is going on here? Yeah. So, you know, on the Chase Young situation, it's strange that they wanted to make that a big deal um, because he repaid. The, I, I never get why, like, if a guy has already repaid the loan, before you catch it, then at that point, that that should almost be like statute of limitations. I agree. Like, 
you know, like that that's old news. I already repaid it. You know, like <laughs> like what what do you want me to do? Um but on but it's it's funny because, you know, I've heard, you know, the conversation obviously Memphis initially was gonna fight this Wiseman thing. They've decided not to. Um my guess is that that means that they that they know and I think the word has been that they kind of them and the NCAA have kind of come to an understanding on what his punishment will be, and I, I guess they may be okay with it. You know, like it may not be the severe, it may not have the severity as what we initially maybe expected. Um, what that is is that's it, we played Tennessee in seven games, so I wouldn't be I would. I would be a little bit surprised if it were more than that. It could be. It could be nine. Nine is, seems to be like around the standard, but it could be. I don't know. It could be twenty for all I know. But that seems. If it's more than seven, I would have thought that Memphis would have fought it. But, um, but we'll see with that. But it's funny because when we were initially fighting this, um, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, obviously great college sports writer, uh, knows the NCAA rule book in and out. He mentioned how, you know, Ohio State chose to play ball with the NCAA and that they were given pretty much a fair sentence with Chase Young versus Memphis deciding to, you know, you know, snub their nose at the NCAA and say, screw it, we're going to play Wiseman anyway. Um, We'll see how that turns out for them, kind of saying that, you know, if they would have played ball with the NCAA, Things would have turned out differently. Maybe he's right because now we'll see. But the point is, I, I feel like that narrative is is wrong because we've seen plenty of situations where blue blood programs have not played ball with the NCAA, of course, and have not been penalized for it or like. There are well, current we were, there are current blue blood programs today and coaches have, coaching today that have, that are already been found to be guilty of whatever they've yeah, done and the NCAA. are are coaching and like everything's fine. What like what did North Carolina do when they had their situation? They were saying screw the NCAA, and the NCAA was like, "All right, slap on the wrist." Versus, uh, I, I don't know, Ole Miss. When they had their situation with Hugh Freeze, mm-hmm. they weren't antagonizing the NCAA. No, and they got hit with they got hit with with sanctions, heavy sanctions. Um, Georgia Tech, just this past year with Josh Pastner, got hit with a postseason ban, which nobody cares about because they're not going to make the NCAA tournament anyway. But they got hit with a postseason ban for something they self-reported. Like, so the NCAA is not. It's not consistent in that regard, so I I I don't I don't have the issue that some people are having. And believe me, look, I'm a I'm a Miami football fan. I've seen our program suspend guys, you know, you know, ahead of certain violations and ahead of certain sanctions, and still seeing the NCAA drop the hammer. So they they have complete inconsistency inconsistency with terms of how they devy punishment based on how you react to their initial findings. And look, this this Wiseman thing. I, I obviously I was very I, I was heated on this Wiseman thing when it came out. Um, 
I, you know, I've calmed down. I've kind of stepped back and been like, look, it'll work itself out. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I assume he'll play more games for Memphis. I don't think this is the last time we've seen him. Maybe it will be, but I assume this isn't the last time we've seen him play a college basketball game. If it is, you know, he's a great player <laughs> for the three games he played. But um, it'll work itself out, but it just feels like, selective enforcement of course and uh, that's the that's the term Jalen Rose used to discuss this and I think it's it's the right term to use when you talk about look they found they got they got Penny I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that what Penny did wasn't necessarily shady of course it was you know you give you you know imagine EJ if you were in high school and some dude transferred in to where you went to high school and like and you find out, oh yeah, the coach paid him eleven thousand dollars to go there, you know, to go to that high school. I mean, you'd be like, I mean, that's pretty shady, but <laughs> the high school kid. But regardless, like it happened, um, not an obscene amount of money. You know, with the FBI scandal, we heard upwards to a hundred hundred thousand dollars being, you know, <laughs> changing hands. Probably more than that, but. Um, like not an absurd amount of money, but still uh, real money that was that changed hands. So they got caught, but let's not act like what Memphis, what happened with this situation, isn't happening with most. I don't think most, but a large number of high-level Division One athletes in basketball and football. You know, I look at, and I don't know if this is this could be a completely above-board situation. I'm not accusing anybody of any wrongdoing. But people talk about, look, James Wiseman moving from Nashville to Memphis, going, transferring from a Nashville private school to a Memphis public school to just to play for Penny Hardaway's basketball team, AAU team, was shady, or it just it seems bizarre. You want to know what's bizarre? I mean, maybe it's not that bizarre, but it, you want to know what, what, what's also eye-opening? What's eye-opening? When Tua committed to Alabama and enrolled as a freshman, his family, his whole family moved from Hawaii <laughs> to Alabama. And again, that could have been completely above board. His brother then went and played high school football in Alabama, also ended up at Alabama, shockingly enough, <laughs> there now. But that could, that could have been a completely above board. But what I'm saying is not unprecedented that players, families move when they are going to a certain location. Yeah, I mean, Marvin, play Bag- what, didn't Marvin Bagley's family move? Mar- the Marvin Bagley situation is literally the exact same thing. Yeah. It's probably worth. Marvin Bagley, his dad was bankrupt. And his dad filed for bankruptcy. Um, they lived in Phoenix, Arizona. You know, again, low-income low family. Marvin Bagley transfers to Sierra Canyon, and Syracuse High School, it's the same high school that obviously Bronny James is going to now, and it's the same high school that uh, Kendall and Kylie Jenner went to. This is a high level, you know, high income area right. in Southern California. They transferred there. These guys, Marvin Bagley and his family, moved into a. I don't want. I don't want to make up the number, but let's just say it was a very, very, very expensive location community. Um, 
this was because, or they were able to pay for this because Nike was essentially paying Marvin, Daly, Marvin Bagley's dad to run a fake AAU program. I say fake because they made up the AAU program around Marvin Bagley, which is not around anymore because Marvin Bagley's in the NBA. But they, they, they've paid Marvin Bagley's dad to run an AAU program, so they had the money to afford to move to California to play for a Nike high school, to then go to a Nike school in Duke, and then go to the NBA and sign with Puma, ironically enough. But that's another that's a whole other conversation. But point yeah. being, why is Nike not a booster for Duke, mm-hmm. but Penny is a booster for Memphis? Based on something he did 10 paying, years ago. Yeah, for a, a million-dollar donation he gave to the schools to, to build a Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, in the in the school building versus Nike paying Duke, you know, tens of millions of dollars every year. Yeah, literally paying Mike Krzyzewski. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally giving him money. <laughs> they have way more at stake. So I, <laughs> and the idea that Penny, do I think Penny? Knew, some people are making the case. Look, he didn't know he'd be the coach, and you know, look, I think Penny <laughs> knew what he was doing. I think he's smarter than people give him credit for. I think he knew that having Wiseman in tow would make him much more likely. Yeah, it gave him a much better chance to potentially. He had interviewed for the job when Tubby Smith got the job. Exactly. So he knew that he was going to be a candidate if this Tubby Smith thing didn't work out. And so I think he he had that conversation. He had that understanding. But to do wasn't a booster. Like, literally every player that he coached, didn't go to Memphis. Like, literally because Penny, like, was boxing these guys out of Memphis so that they would so they, they wouldn't play for Tubby Smith so that he could then become the coach. It was, it was a weird situation, but point being, he is not a booster for the university. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. It's uh I agree. I mean this this situation is uh very ridiculous. Um it selected definitely uh definitely feels targeted in regards to, you know, Picking this Penny Hardaway example to now, you know, you know, flex their muscles here, and and it's just it's just whack. You know, the NCA likes it like like to me they're like bullies. Like you know when 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 they could you know flex his muscles on you know situations that they know they can really drop the hammer, they do this. But like you said, when it's um, to me obvious corruption and clear corruption, they 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 seem okay with it as long as their bottom line is going to be affected. Like, at the end of the day, they value Nike more than they value Penny, who was upset the apple cart of college basketball and certainly upset probably a lot of college basketball coaches with how he's come in with his swagger and his energy and taking all their players. So they're fine with making him an example. They won't make an example out of Bill Self, who's literally coaching right now and is on tape saying (laughs) that that agreeing that guys are going to get paid for Kansas. Like they got Will Wade, Will Wade's on, on tape saying, saying I, thought, I thought I thought I thought I thought I gave the guy a strong offer to a guy who was getting paid from Adidas. Like it, it's 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 again, it is just ridiculous. It, I mean it's it's really hard for me to fathom Well it's not hard for me to fathom. Michael Avenatti obvious literally said Michael Avenatti literally said Duke is paying Duke paid Zion. Zion essentially would have been an ineligible player. And the NCAA is saying we got all this new information on Wiseman. 
What about the new information Michael Avenatti gave out to Duke? Oh, about or about yeah. Duke yeah. and Zion. Did they review that? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they did. I'm guessing they did. But like that, that I don't. Got, I wouldn't guess that they did. I, I wouldn't. That thing got swept under the rug. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even give them that much credit that they absolutely you know looked into it. I have no idea. Uh, we heard nothing about that. And look, Avenatti is uh, is a is a is, in, is he's right now under indictment. He is a shady character. But the shady ca- being a shady character doesn't mean you have false information. So that be that what it may and my thing is this whole thing this whole thing is ridiculous these kids should be getting paid that's why this that's why this thing annoys me is because james wiseman should be getting paid for when if someone wants him to play basketball in another in another city you know why because those people are making money off of him penny hardaway was able to make bank off of having james wiseman go to uh to memphis east and therefore go play for the memphis tigers when penny got hired that get that put money in penny's pocket so, yeah, Wiseman shouldn't just get nothing when people say, hey, man, I want you to go play for my high school team, and then eventually I'll be the, the coach, and maybe we can join forces in college level. Like, it's like this whole thing is a sham, and that's why them picking and choosing their battles or when they want to flex their muscles is so whack, and why the NCAA will always, always, always be whack for this kind of nonsense. And it's just, I, I just can't wait for the day this stuff is over. And, and and we can finally just have guys getting paid. We can move on from this because this thing is getting ridiculous. And the Chase Young thing was just, uh, just re- again, also ridiculous. Guy uh, got money because he wanted his girlfriend to travel to see him at the Rose Bowl. His girlfriend should be able to see him at the Rose Bowl. You know how much money he made for the Rose Bowl? And him and his plus teammates made for the Rose Bowl for ABC and ESPN and, and Disney and college sports and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and Ohio State University? Yes. He deserved that money. He deserved to be able to send his girlfriend to watch him play in that game. Like, it's, like, this still, like, because of these arbitrary rules, we're, like, debating, okay, this situation was not as bad as this situation. It's like, this whole thing is ridiculous. Like, none of this situation should be bad at all. Because this is supposed to be a capitalist country, and these guys should be able to make as much money as they could make based on their talent. And the fact that this this, uh, this archaic system is still in place uh, it's just it it, it it just masked a lot of the uh, it masked a lot of the corruption that's 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 happening. We're 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 kind of you know picking and choosing. Oh, this place, this situation, that situation. This whole thing is a sham, and it's it's it's, it's awful. Anyway, Kendall, let's do quickly flames and trash. I will go first. Uh, my flames this week has got to be Oregon Oregon women's basketball. Um, it's rare we talk about women's basketball. We probably should talk about women's basketball more, but. I made sure that we were not going to miss out on women's basketball this week because uh, the team, uh, Oregon Ducks, they, they did something historic, Kendall. They beat Team USA in a basketball game. Our women's basketball team, our women's national team, uh, lost to the Oregon Ducks uh, earlier this week or late or you know uh, late last week. And when I saw this score, Kendall, I really was like, oh, they must have been like, we must have sent like our C team. And you know, D team out there. Then I saw you know Sue Bird and 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 uh, Aja Wilson. I saw some people out there, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I thought we sent our D team. How did we lose to Oregon? But I'm not gonna make this about Team USA losing. And this is a great moment for these women, uh, for the Oregon Ducks basketball team. They're the, uh, the last team to beat a. Uh, they're the first team to beat a. Team USA roster since 1999 when Kentucky did it. Back in the day, they had 
Carol Lawson and Tamika Catching. Carol Lawson's coaching with the Boston Celtics. Tamika Catching is one of the greatest women's players of all time. Um, and they did it winning by just one point. Oregon won comfortably at home by seven points. So, I mean, I'm not, I mean, again, there's, there's no reason really to bash Team USA. I mean, they've won gold medals, they've been a dominant team. Uh, it's just, to me, this is a, an incredible, incredible moment. And I think they deserve their flowers. So, shout out to. Oregon, uh, Oregon basketball, man. They, uh, they did a great job. Easy. I'm calling an audible on my flame. Okay. So initially, look, my flame was supposed to be the Boston Celtics. You won nine in a row. Play great basketball. Everyone knows that. You know, we were better than most, what most people thought. You know, I think we were, I thought we were going to be good before the year. They're probably a little better than what I thought. But point being, I'm, I'm calling an audible. Um, cause I was on Twitter and I saw, the hashtag stay mellow was trending. I was like, why is this trending worldwide? Well, Wojbaum, Carmelo Anthony is signed with the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, good for so, him. Uh, that's breaking lame news here. I got mellow back in the league. You know, we can stop debating. You know, it's funny that, you know, the same week Kaepernick finally getting a workout, Melo finally gets signed. You know, <laughs> but um, we can stop debating whether or not Melo is should be in the league or not, and we can now, he can now go out there and prove whether or not he deserves to be in the league. But it's a non-guaranteed deal. You know, it's, 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 it is, like, weird that Melo, like, seems to consistently end up on the teams that, like, like a year later than when they wanted him. Yeah, the Rockets wanted him a while him, ago. Like, two years ago, and they couldn't say, oh, we'll bring him in this year, and he was more shot than he was. And Portland... One of them last season, he didn't go there. Now they're they're biting the bull and they'll bring him in. Now they have not played good basketball. No, so, they're no. desperate. They feel like maybe they need more bench scoring. I don't know, but I'm excited to see what Carmelo looks like because those Chris Brickley blackout black black <laughs> ops gym videos were annoying me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I was no longer gonna be uh, taking the black ops gym workouts as uh, a telltale sign that. Um, that Melo was absolutely being robbed and not playing in the NBA. He looked great in the hoodie Melo videos, the year before Oklahoma City. He had the worst year of his career. Um, but I'm going to stress the positive here. I'm happy for Melo. I'm not going to, you know, mince words. I was not one of the people who thought it was a complete outrage that he was not in the NBA. I'm going to be honest. I think a player his age, with his, with, with his stardom, with his, with his stardom, with his uh, demands in terms of how he plays, I didn't think it made sense for him to be out there. Um, but... I'm actually going to do a little bit of a reversal on that a little bit because the defense and the the defense being played this year is so bad, Kendall. Melo, he might work out. Like, he might, if he's willing to just be a role player, and I, I still don't know if that's the case, um, he might be able to score. Because, I mean, the, if you look at the, the, the offensive numbers this year of pretty much everybody, they're just through the roof. Efficiency is super high. Uh, Three-point shooting, super high. Everybody's playing well, <laughs> except for the Knicks, apparently. So, but, I mean, individual stats-wise, everybody's having really good years. So, in this NBA where nobody's playing any defense, could he look a lot better than he did in Houston? He might. I still have some doubts. I didn't want him on my team, and that's saying a lot because the Knicks are a mess. Um, and I don't think really any contending team should want him. But, uh, to me, this this... This kind of was the situation where Melo was going to get signed. It was 
a team who had high expectations, who was uh, badly hurting, uh, badly uh, underachieving, that would be the team that would sign a guy like Melo. And Portland would fit right in. They're a team who badly underachieving. They just lost. Uh, they just lost uh, Zach Collins for an extended amount of time. Uh, Pac Soul has been hurt. So they've had, uh, and then the guys that have been starting in the front line, I mean, they've been starting Nasir Little, you know. So so you, you can't get much worse, I guess, right? You, you didn't then maybe give Melo a shot. So um, so I, I, I kind of get it. And I didn't know when I would get it because, I, I, again, I'm not someone who thought that Melo not being in the league was this highway robbery. But this was this was a situation that was going to have to happen, a team that was desperate, a team that um, – was uh, underachieving would get him. So uh, I'm happy for Melo. I am happy because he he did definitely want to play. And um, again, Melo growing up was my favorite player as a teenager. So uh, I'm happy to see him back in the league. I don't know how good he'll be, but um, well, we will see. And those people who uh, who have been saying that you know he was gonna go out there and and, and average twenty and say some crazy stuff I was seeing on the internet, we gonna we gonna see. <laughs> They're gonna have to explain themselves. For how Melo looks if he doesn't look that great. So anyway, uh, but shout out to Carmelo Anthony. Happy he got uh, signed. What's uh, I guess I'll go with trash here. Um, my trash this week, Houston Astros, man. Uh, this one was pretty easy. So uh, and it's, this has kind of been a crazy week. And in another week, this might have been a, a full story we would have done. But the Houston Astros are trash, Kendall, because the they have been found guilty. And they've admitted to um, stealing signs electronically. During their 2017 uh, run uh, into the to the World Series, uh, one of their players, Mike Fears, pretty much outlined how they were doing it, um, and he actually ended up warning uh, other teams about what the Astros would be doing. Uh, I'm trying to get here the thing he said the Houston Astros used a center field camera to help steal signs uh, at practice they would have. Uh, run I run a file of rules against using technology for an advantage, and uh, in, in, uh, MLB had been investigating. Uh, Mike Fears uh, uh, said that the Astros hitter had used a video uh, a video feed piped into a monitor near the dugout to decode signs and relay them to hitters during the game. Uh, baseball is very weird, but like to me, this is just so trash because like baseball talks about his unwritten rules. And that you have teams like blatantly cheating, like the idea that like, you no, know, if you looked at a home run a little too long, like you'll get you have the opportunity to get a, a hundred mile an hour fastball on your back, like to me like, it, based on those ridiculous unwritten rules, like to me every Astros hitter that goes up to the plate should be getting drilled every single play, because that this actually affects the game. This actually gave them an advantage, and it was actually against the written rules. Forget about the unwritten rules. Like, um, this has been a bad few weeks for the Astros. You, you had the situation with that clown assistant general manager, you know, celebrating, uh, you know, signing alleged domestic abusers. You lose the World Series having never won a home game. And now you uh, now you have this situation. It's, it's been a rough time for them, so they're trash for me. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because, you uh, you know, Mike Fires is being just destroyed as a snitch online by Astros fans. And I, I mean, has anyone put the Mike Fires uh, face on the the Takashi Six Nine court photo? I'm waiting for that to happen. Yo, honestly, 
Because that to me is the last thing, the only thing we're waiting for at this point. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's um, it's it's strange. I mean, look, I think this will be looked at no differently than the the Spy Gate. That's kind of what this reminds me of. Um, This don't seem worse to you. The question is, what happened? This don't seem worse to you than Spy Gate. Uh, I'm not talking about the optics. I'm talking about the actual practice. Right, exactly. I, I have to remember exactly what the Patriots were doing. But, you know, it's similar in terms of, you know, you're you're using you're getting an advantage using technology yeah. to give you more information on what the other team is doing. But um I'm sure this is probably again more effective. Yeah, I mean this would be like if the Patriots knew what plays the other teams were gonna run. Um but I, I, I mean I don't know. I feel like the question is whether or not all teams do it, you know, or I don't think all teams do it, but if if more teams do it, if this is a singularly Astros issue, like Spygate was, they will have a reputation of being the cheater franchise, like the Patriots did. Mm-hmm. But if we find more, if more people come out and find we find out that this is a bigger problem in baseball, then I, I think this will this will there won't be there will be less blowback. But look, just like in, I mean, in the NCAA, the Astros they'd be up for you know vacated wins. That that title could be vacated, and you know they 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 could get a postseason back. With all these, <laughs> all those NCAA sanctions are so stupid. But um, at the end of the day, there's not much MLB can do besides Major League Baseball can do besides find them and, and take away draft picks. You know, yeah, take their draft picks, which. I mean, those are real, real punishments, but I'll take the World Series. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure they would still take the World Series. Um, I know as a Mets fan, I would take the World Series. Uh, who do you have for trash? Trash this week for me, EJ, uh, is Kentucky. Um, and not because John Kyle Perry is a rat for stitching on uh, James Wiseman. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, no, no, I, don't, I don't want to hear no hearsay on. on I, yeah, I, I have no information. On, only real facts here. No fake news on, <laughs> on, on sports talk. Um, but I am. I'm. I'm giving Kentucky trash because look, they were the number one team in the country, coming off a great win against Michigan State, and they took a awful loss to Evansville at home. Evansville, of course, shout out to them, coached by Celtic great Walter McCarty. Um, but it's just a bad loss. I mean, you lose you losing this game at home in a game where they looked pretty much outplayed. They got outplayed by Evansville. They're like they didn't deserve to win that game. And sometimes you'll have upsets where it's like, man, and like <laughs> Evansville got lucky. They did not get lucky. They would have been unlucky if they would have lost that game. So, <laughs> um, shout out to them. But Kentucky, uh, they trash this week. Pretty simple. Yeah, it was a pretty bad performance coming off that big win the previous week. Um, all right, Kendall, we got the end of the show. What's Kendall's score? Uh, Kendall's score this week. Um, so we didn't talk about it last week, but Willie Tiger got fired. If you didn't hear, uh, head coach of Florida State uh, for basically a year and a half, essentially. Oh uh, yeah, pure. Um, year and a half a season uh, was let go. Uh, after having a pretty much an awful start to both his first two seasons at Florida State, but um, 
So the question has become who is going to be the replacement. Uh, the early names that have come out, we've heard Bob Stoops, uh, who has come out and said he is not in the conversation because he's coaching the XFL right now. Um, we've heard Mike Norvell, coach of Memphis. We've heard uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State is a candidate. You know, Mark Stoops at Kentucky uh, candidate. We've heard, uh, we've heard a, a bevy of candidates. But last week, we got word from Ian Rappaport during Thursday Night Football that uh, Deion Sanders was also a serious candidate to be the head coach, to, to be the to fill that Florida State head coaching vacancy. Um, Deion Sanders, obviously, we will know him uh, from his NFL Network days uh, right now, um, as well as, you know, he, um, you know, he's coaching in high school football. Is I mean, obviously we know what he did in the NFL. But what he's doing now, obviously he's commentating, uh, doing studio analysis, but he's also coaching high school football. Uh, he's run a lot. He's, done, he's, he's ran a lot of ventures. Some have worked, some haven't. Uh, a lot of youth sport ventures. Some have worked, some have haven't. But um, so he's he, he he's been involved. It's not like he's doing nothing. But... This is strange because it's very rare in football that we've seen. I don't know if we've ever seen someone with no coaching experience being hired as a head coach in for a major program in college football. I don't know if this ever happened. I've always thrown out, I think if Tennessee were to move on from Jeremy Pruitt, they should look at hiring Peyton Manning as a head coach. Um, I think... Deion Sanders, this has been a move that has been destroyed. He, the name has been eviscerated. Florida State has been eviscerated for even considering this. But I think this would be much more shrewd of a move than people are giving me credit for. But what do you think, EJ? I'll give my reasons uh, after you. you um, I think that this, I think that this, as a Miami fan, I would love for them to hire uh, Deion Sanders. I have no fear whatsoever about Deion Sanders. The becoming the head coach of Florida State, if that happens, I think that running a college football team is a lot more uh, work than Dion would realize, and um, I just don't think he'd be up to that task. I love Dion as like, he's really one, the only Florida State player I love. I can say that honestly. Um, so I love him as a analyst. I love him as a personality, as a player. But no, uh, I do not think he'd make a great head, uh, college football coach at Florida State. So, my my opinion is this: people are talking about he has no experience, he doesn't know X and O's, he doesn't know running a program, this, that, and the other thing. Um, look for recruiting. First of all, he would he would kill it. He's high energy. He claims to be serious about this. I mean, if he came in this, you know. If I weren't impressed by his interview, or I weren't, were, if I wasn't impressed by his demeanor, his energy uh, about the the position, then I wouldn't give him the job. But if if he can sell me on his his vision, I would look at him because recruiting, he's he's going to be able to. I mean, Herm Edwards was getting guys easy to go to Arizona State because he's Herm Edwards. If Herm Edwards is getting guys easy, imagine how Deion Sanders is going to do on the recruiting trail in college football. Um, which is why, if I were a Miami fan, this would bother me because some of those guys in South Florida, Dion's going to speak to them more than Manny Diaz will. 
you know, it just it just is what it is. Um, similarly to how you know Penny Hardaway, you know, has that effect that you know I, that street cred that some a lot of coaches in college basketball don't have. And, and look, Penny Hardaway doesn't get everybody he went after. Some guy you you miss out on like Rick Barnes has beaten out Penny Hardaway for recruits. So Manny Diaz is going to beat Deion Sanders for recruits if that were to, if it were to come to that, and so would Nick Saban, and so would you know Kirby Smart. But Dion would get players to go to Florida State. Some people have argued, well, all right, recruiting is one thing, but he doesn't know X's and O's. I would argue in college football nowadays, that's irrelevant. Like, Dabble Sweeney doesn't know more about X's and O's than Deion Sanders does. At least he didn't when he got the job at Clemson initially. You know, Ed Orgeron doesn't know more about X's and O's than Deion Sanders does. You know, these guys are CEOs of the program, but they're not they're not calling any plays. You know, PJ Fleck has never been a coordinator in his life, coach in Minnesota right now. And he's the hottest name in college football. I, I think now more than ever, if you if Dion, if you told me, all right, Dion, we're gonna get you for dirt cheap and we're gonna we're gonna put the two best coordinators in the country around you, I would say, All right, you know, we would have two guys you know, an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator that, you know, we looked at and said were better than every coach in college football. If they, we were able to do that, I would say, all right, you know, then I, then I would look at that and say Florida State should, they should look at Deion Sanders. And last point, people have talked about, you know, prime prep. Mm-hmm. People have talked about, you know, well, prime prep went, went bad. I, I would look at prime prep and I would say, you know, that's a situation that, um, you know, he was a high school coach. Well, he wasn't even the coach. He was a high school administrator. If Florida State was hiring to be the athletic director, I would have an issue. But they're hiring to be the football coach, so I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, to me, I, I don't know. I feel like, well, first of all, there's a big issue with whether or not they actually could get that kind of talent um, into Florida State because they just paid twenty million dollars to Florida to uh, to Blue target Taggart. Taggart. So you're talking about paying the head coach cheap money, so to speak. But it are, may you, not are you able to, to fork be. over that kind of money then for two and I'm not coordinators, which you would need? I think. You may not get Brent Venables, who's getting paid a whole lot of money at right. Clemson. But what if what if Dion? He's got so many connections in, in, in the in the game of football. Sure. What if he could get like an NFL coach that's like just not doing anything? I don't know the name. But like but, uh, what if, still like, have to be what if like Bill Cower, like, all right, I'll be an offensive coordinator. Bill Cower doesn't coach offense, but like it's not gonna be Bill Cower. I'm just saying, for example. Like I mean what if some guy is just not doing anything? Now again, it could be the same conversation. Well, do any of you guys know what they're doing when it comes to college football? Right. Just like we've had that conversation with Memphis, where it's like, what does Mike Miller know about college basketball? What does Penny know about college basketball? Does it really matter? These guys know the game of football, and if you know the game of recruiting, you have enough people in the organization that can teach them. It may not matter. These things run themselves. I I I I get it. I just feel like. I don't know. I just feel like we've seen too many examples of, oh, like, you no, know, just plug this guy in there and they'll be fine. Like, 
the system, the system will run itself. The program will run itself. If that was the case, then why didn't Willie Taggart do any better? You know, why is Chip Kelly flopping well, in, in, in flop, flopping in UCLA? Like it's like at a certain Willie point, Taggart, like it does take some kind of finesse to he, run these programs that clearly did. some coaches don't have. I don't know if Dion has that. Willie Taggart didn't have the offensive and defensive minds that I think Dion could put together. And he didn't he didn't energize the fan base nearly sure. the way Dion will. And didn't couldn't is not gonna recruit on the level that Dion will be able to recruit. That's true. That's you true. know, I can't say again, I don't know look, Dion but can't call, I don't think Dion could call a game to save his life. Of course not. Because he's never done it. Yeah. And I don't think anybody that's never done it can just is gonna out coach, you know, some of the great coordinators and play callers. He's not gonna put up a defensive scheme that's gonna stop a Lincoln Riley offense. But do I think that he can coach secondary players? Of course. Do I think he can coach defensive players? Do I think he can coach wide receivers? Absolutely. And do I think he can coach quarterbacks to an extent? Of course. I think he knows the game of football. And But beyond that, he knows branding. He knows running uh, his own business. Some Again, some ventures have gone well. Some, have, some haven't. But he like that Florida State program would go from irrelevant to very relevant in just like Memphis immediately. And you know, I, I if if I'm Florida State, who are you gonna hire? Because the issues right now sound like they are much deeper than Willie Tiger was a bad coach. Well, yeah, they they have so, facility issues. They they like it's it's a mess. But that's it's also a mess. So if you bring in Dino Babers from Syracuse, is that is that are any of those things going to change? You bring in now, yes, there are some coaches that could be that incredible that could that could change life. But the problem, you know, just Kendall, like PJ Fleck, right. PJ Fleck came in from Western Michigan and turned Minnesota into a playoff team in like three years. So yes, there are coaches that can do that, but. But they don't grow in trees. But Kendall, I guess the problem I have is you talked about recruiting. It's not like Willie Tiger was bringing in guys who were perceived to be bums. Go to 247sports.com. Go to rivals.com. Look at the recruiting uh, the recruiting stars that they <laughs> next to the names what was Florida of State's those people. Class? Where were they ranked this year? Um, I, will, I will pull it for you right now. It, if they were outside of the top ten, I don't know if they were. I can guarantee you, they will be in the top ten. But my point is, my, my point is, so they will be in the. They, they they hire Deion Sanders tomorrow. They would be in the top ten this year. Last year, this and past season, the the, this past season they were eighteen. The year before that, they, they were eighteen. The year before that, they were ten. The year before that, that was Jim's recruiting class, and he came in and he, he salvaged. But my it. point is that like. They, it's not like he has bums on the roster. <laughs> like, oh, right. But there are guys bums. there. Like, to me, like, you need an infrastructure that's going to be able to develop players. That's been Florida State's issue because they've had issues for a while now. They're not developing the talent, the quote-unquote talent they're bringing in. What makes me think that Dion's going to put an infrastructure in place? Coordinator, he's got Kendall Bryles and, like, no-name, like, I'm not saying no-name, but, like, he, he, he's got high-level coordinators. But, like, Willie Taggart, like, his coaching staff wasn't that good. I mean, I'm saying I'm, I'm I'm putting the I'm putting the notion that look if you're getting Dion, you're getting like NFL veteran or NFL 
people or high level college people as position coaches. Like, you know, we might we might get like Ed Reed as like the 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 second as the, the DB coach. You know, like you're gonna get crazy stuff. And if that's the case, like Marshall Falk might end up being the running backs coach. Like, I like I don't know if that I think that would be worth it if versus what whatever else they can put together unless they can get a Bob Stoops you know a PJ Flex they can get somebody that is obviously a wild candidate but in the year in this year where we have USC that's going to be open potentially Notre Dame potentially Michigan they're Florida State is not going to be first on the pecking order so those guys that that wild name that just happens to want to leave their school is not going to go to Florida State they're gonna go for. They're gonna get. Have to go to the person that's second, third, fourth on the list. Why not get Deion Sanders when he wants the job and could make this such a national story and put them right back in the conversation? They'd have a top five recruiting class next year. I don't know. I, uh, they're not gonna do it. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, this is similar to when Penny hired Tubby Smith. Oh, when Memphis hired Tubby Smith, um, they didn't. They, they, they. Penny's name was thrown out there, but it was like, it was like crazy, like, and and then I feel like Dion might be two, three years away. If the next Florida State coach doesn't work, they may say, "All right, we're out of options. We gotta go to Dion at this at this point." And it may come to that, but I don't think it'll be this this cycle. All right, well, we're going to have to uh, wait and see how it plays out. But, Kendall, on the record, Dion should be the coach of Florida State. It would. It would, it would and you know what's interesting? Dion was asked about this. He said, I have not talked to anybody yep. at Florida State about the job. What I will tell you is I'm very, very, very interested and plan on coaching. Or I'm very, very interested in coaching in the next level, and I will. Okay. I think he said like I think he said if not I don't think he said next season but he said I, and I will. So him saying that to me suggests I think he's putting pressure on Florida State that look if you guys don't hire me I'm giving you guys a chance. If you guys don't hire me, don't say I wasn't interested when I get hired by you know Ole Miss or I get hired by some other school and. All those guys that could be in, and we we we're some bomb squad, and you guys come to me like, oh, you guys want to coach you now? Well, it's too late now. I think that's what he's saying because I think someone is going to hire him. I don't, if it's not Florida State, some team is going to take the the, the the elite, and it may not be a power five school, but he's going to be coaching college football. I think he's made it clear. All right, well, we're going to have to wait and see. But that's uh, it for this week's show. So I hope you guys enjoyed this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation, New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Also, follow us on Facebook, uh, New Generation Media, on Twitter, at New Generation Pod, and on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. I'm on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and you can find me on Instagram, Uh, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.